All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. I am Kyle Fincham. Thank you so much for being here. Um, You're listening to Behind the Movement. I have a a conversation that I had just a few days ago with Jason Brown to share with you today. Um, I've just got a couple of announcements, and then we're going to roll right into it. The first is uh, this past weekend. Got to do an infinite play event in Miami, a return to Miami, Um, and it was fantastic. It was amazing. Uh, I I hesitate to say it was better than last time because last time was amazing, but both times were were equally amazing, incredible, just such fun groups, um, amazing conversations and interactions. So I just want to thank everybody who was there for that. Um, It was really special, and I want to thank... Uh, Nelson Salas, Nelson Quadras, Chris Espinal for, for everything that you guys have done to, to help bring those events together and, and all the time that we get to do, spend together while we're down there and hang out. I really uh, appreciate it and cherish it. So uh, if you guys are in the Miami area, I, I highly recommend reaching out to those guys. I know, um, I know they're around. I know they're doing interesting things. Um, so contact them, get into what they're doing. Can't recommend it enough. Um, also, I just put up online yesterday on our calendar that I will be doing an infinite play event in Portugal, in Lisboa. Um, so I don't know who's listening that's uh, near Portugal, but if you're there, I would love to see you at that event. Um, Movement Lisboa, uh, yeah, Movement Lisboa is giving uh, some support in uh, bringing the whole event together. So um, in advance, a huge thank you to, to those guys. Um, so yeah, if you're in, in Portugal, somewhere nearby, I would love to see you there. Um, that event's September 4th. It's a Saturday. And you can just go to my website, kylefincham.com, for more info <clears throat> and to... Uh, and to register, you can just email me through there. Fantastic. Those are my announcements. Quick, quick and dirty. Here we go. So I got to speak with uh, Jason Brown just the other day. And man, what a treat. Um, Jason, I think he sent me a couple met- messages a few months back um, after listening to one of the podcasts and we continue to back and forth and you know every once in a while exchanging a message here and there and I and I don't know just kind of getting a feel for his vibe and what he was putting out there I was like man I feel like we got to have a conversation and um yeah I, I I feel like it was amazing and as I say in the podcast I would I want to write I want to write his biography. I want to write the story of his life because he's uh, he's had so many incredible chapters. You know, I uh, I hesitate to even um, I hesitate to even read a bio here in the beginning because it's uh, it, you know what where he's gone, what he's done. You know, he's pretty incredible. But I mean, he he spent time studying with Steve Maxwell. That's where he got his black belt in jiu-jitsu. He was uh, 
one of the early adopters of, of kettlebells and created a certification for kettlebells. We talk a bit about that. Um, he has become fascinated and, and passionate about the idea of play and he, he teaches play workshops. Um, yeah, man, highly recommend uh, following him on Instagram. His Instagram, I believe, is Iron Kimono. I'll double check real quick, but I'm pretty sure it's it's just Iron Kimono because uh, I, I just really appreciate the stuff he's putting out there. Um, yeah, Iron Kimono. Anyway, let's get to it. Uh, I really enjoyed getting to chat with Jason. So here it is, my conversation with Jason Brown. So I had a kettlebell certification called um, Kettlebell Athletics, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's been pretty popular. COVID killed it, of course, but I've I've been certifying trainers, mm-hmm. training trainers in kettlebells since um, two thousand and five. No my way. Own kettlebell, yeah, I'm I'm old man. My, my <laughs> own, I'm really old, but my own kettlebell journey started in like uh, the early two thousands, and mm-hmm. then um, I had a relationship with Pavel. I'm sure you know Pavel, mm-hmm. right? Pavel and my, my jujitsu coach, uh, uh, Steve Maxwell, he actually, I can show you pictures of these. These are pretty cool. Like, uh, before kettlebells were commercially available, he had one of his students make these steel ball bearing kettlebells. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's, you know, Equinox being from New York, I'm sure, you know, Equinox, mm-hmm. their head of education once asked me, she saw me present and she said, Hey, I like your stuff. Would you like to come and present for Equinox? I said, yeah, sure. So ever since 2005, I've been driving to, a 43rd and 5th. Mm-hmm. So you're, so you're right there. So you're still like the, the New York Equinox kettlebell expert. I, you know what? In? I don't know what I am this year, Kyle, uh-huh. because, uh, all of the kettlebell athletics existed outside of Equinox mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. but we did a lot of work for Equinox, mm-hmm. um, just because they're such a huge fitness brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what their situation is because I know a lot of their educational team has left. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, you know, as much as I do that the fitness industry was gutted mm-hmm. rough last year. Right. Mm-hmm. And New York was hit, I think probably the hardest mm-hmm. right? Philadelphia. We were hit pretty hard with it also, but uh, um, I'm not sure what Equinox's plan is for outside educators to be honest. Interesting. And then, yeah. You're also, and you mentioned, I'll, I mean, I'll say this because you messaged me uh, yeah. a while back and you mentioned Frank Frenchick. Is that how you say yes. his name? And you I think just this at the end, Frenchich. Okay. And you, and you Is also it? just mentioned Steve Maxwell. So you've got some pretty uh, serious mentors. I do. Frank. So I had a book of Frank's in 1999 <laughs> called Play as If Your Life Depends on It. And that mm-hmm. was my first introduction to Frank. And I fell in love with his work then. At that point in time, his work was not called Exuberant Animal. It was actually GoAnimal.com. GoAnimal, which I still think is a great name. For some reason, he changed it to Go Animal. I'm sorry, to Exuberant Animal. But I have, I have everyone, and I can send you a post, Kyle, about he still remains one of my favorite authors. His newest project is called The Sapiens Project. Um, but it's along the same lines. Uh, Frank will be one of the first people to uh, to admit that 
making a, a good living in the fitness industry is pretty hard, right? It's hard to get by in specifically with the stuff that Frank, you know, the play-based type of stuff, like you do a great job of it, but when, just to compare my own work. So I have a, a play-based workshop called the art of play mm-hmm. and playcraft, right? Mm-hmm. I can never get the same buy-in for the art of play or playcraft that I can for a kettlebell workshop. I can charge much higher for the kettlebell workshop for the kettlebell workshop. I can offer credentials. Like you get 1.2 CEUs or CECs from the national Academy of sports medicine and the American council of exercise. Mm-hmm. But good luck telling somebody take this play workshop right. for, for $497. Right. And I'll give you CECs at the end. You don't quite get the same buy-in unless you're fighting monkey or Edo, right? They, right. They, those guys do a really good job of doing that. But that's, you know, that's the, that is the tragedy, not to take anything away from kettlebells, but that is like, it's total tragedy. That is a great term. Yes. But, you know, I often think of it as like, you know, not that I have a ton have the experience to back it up with like psychedelics or anything, but I do compare it to the idea of like people taking like ongoing medication for their entire life versus or, or play like, no, no, that would be like fitness where it's like, you know, it's, it's more it's measurable. You can talk about it. It's like, you know, you want to keep people uh, coming back, you know, like Equinox needs people to keep coming back in the door. Right. So that's like, that's going to the, the, the pharmacy for the prescription because like you're, 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 you're on it and this is how we like keep you better. Right. But that's just to me, like, I don't know, maybe it's capitalism, whatever it is. Right. But like, if I offer you something, if I say, Hey, here's really just a mindset in a way of like approaching things. It's just like, there's not that like hook that keeps people like, oh, well, what do I keep paying for? What do I keep doing? It's like, no, no, no. I actually just want you to go do it on your own or have just this one thing and then take it. And then maybe I see you again somewhere down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like if you want to approach it in that, like to me, in in the way that it's kind of in line with my values, it also is not in line necessarily (laughs) with, uh, you know, what's measured as, you know, success here when it comes to money. Yes, it's true. I, you know, Kyle, it's interesting because, because I struggle with that. I've been, I've been a professional trainer since 1999, Mm -hmm. but I don't consider myself a trainer anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm much more of a teacher and I would much rather play the role of teacher training to me. it's, It's exactly what you said. You come to me for your dose of this on Monday and Thursdays, Mm-hmm. But I don't want you to come to me for that dose. I want you to be like you said, an autonomous, free, happy mover, right? Like this stuff isn't all that complicated. It's not all that hard. If we just approach, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I don't know if this is something you've thought about because I, I feel like, I mean, you've been in the kind of the world longer than I have with this stuff, but I think that in some ways it's very similar trajectories um, in terms of mindset. Yeah. Um, but I've thought a lot recently about, some of the things that we're presenting here, right? You know, they're not really products or commodities. It, I actually believe that a lot of the stuff that, that I think we're both kind of talking about th- at other times in history, it would have just been passed down as like wisdom, like in mm. tribes is like from, from elders, right? It would have just been mm. part of like the society and the culture that like these ways of being would have just been shared naturally. There, it would never have been made into something that you would have paid, been, paying for, right? It was just, we wanted people to have the information so that they could, you know, be playful dancers in the community, 
Right. We're just whole human beings. Right. right? And now it's like, because it's been stripped of our, you know, I guess we're stripped of a lot of things that we had before, like the elders and the relationships with ancestors and like, yes, real rich things in culture that like, we turn all these things that are really just ancient wisdom into commodities. And then it feels unethical to charge for, for wisdom. Yeah. It's a little sad, right? Yeah. We're at such a weird spot in all of this mm-hmm. human condition, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, man, I, no, th- Frank I think talks all the time about ancestors. Really? Frank talks. Yeah. That's one of He has a nice little mandala and mm-hmm. ancestors is one of them. And he used to have this tagline, primal, practical, and playful, hmm. which I thought was awesome. And the primal was, you know, our ancestors, our ancestral heritage, mm-hmm. you know, the bipedal, uh, monkey <laughs> or ape how did how did you connect with him originally man i don't i don't know i think uh i think it started with an email mm-hmm. it's like hey i love your work um he has so his first book was actually called way of the owl uh and it's a it's written from it's just about owls but like martial arts owls, it's the <laughs> sweetest book, but it's the deepest book in a conflict resolution. I think I'm, I'm sorry, I'm missing the subtitle for getting the subtitle, but it's one of my most gifted books. I buy it and I, I gift it to people because I love it so much, but he actually used a French, which I guess is a hard name to pronounce or so he used a, in alias Frank rivers. <laughs> so I had that book and then I had, um, Play as if your life depends on it. And then the other one came out, Exuberant Animal, and then uh, Change Your Body, Change the World. And I was mm-hmm. like, I have to reach out to this individual. And uh, I took a few workshops with him. He had his own certification process as well, but I don't think they ever did quite quite as well as he would have hoped. And uh, I just established a relationship with him online mm-hmm. and uh, been studying with him ever since. Wow. Were you already like in deep with your jujitsu at the time? I started jujitsu, I believe in 97. Okay. So the, the training that you got in jujitsu was mostly, I'm sure you're aware of this, much more traditional strength and conditioning type of stuff. It wasn't very play-based, mm-hmm. um, which, I, which I respect and, and love as well. I love both approaches. But the stuff that you got from, that I learned from Steve Maxwell, and my degrees are in exercise science or kinesiology from Temple as well. Temple University in Philadelphia. It's very straightforward, you know, stimulus response, hypertrophy, atrophy, left ventricle, that type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. The stuff I got from Steve Maxwell as my first Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach was the, um, I mean, I never saw gymnastics. Well, I, I saw gymnastics rings when I was like five at the public school in my town, but he actually had gymnastics rings. And this was like 97 pre-CrossFit, Mm-hmm. free like uh, gymnastics bodies all that stuff he had gymnastics rings he had a pull-up bar that was suspended on a chain mm-hmm. i remember at one point i could do 23 pull-ups and that took my pull-ups from 23 down to eight and we <laughs> would have little competitions i got the kettlebells from steve steve had uh the first sandbags that i'm aware of and they were literally canvas bags filled with sand wow and he had this one room off to the side he called it the brown room and that's where he did all this sandbag conditioning. Um, but he, Steve always had like a, some of the most innovative and, and sweetest kettlebell workout, uh, not kettlebell workouts, body weight workouts. 
He's mm-hmm. really well studied. He's gone to, you know, he, if it's, how do I put this? Very Bruce Lee, right? So he takes what is useful, mm-hmm. whether it's from Iran, whether it's from uh, uh, ancient India, whether it's from Slavic countries, Germanic countries, whatever, you know, Steve Maxwell is, uh, he's taken all those things and blended them very nicely into, a, you know, all of his jujitsu students in the early 90s and 2000s were blessed to train under Steve because now he was the first jujitsu academy on the East Coast as well, predating anyone in New York City. How nuts is that? Philadelphia was the first. And that's where you were training. Correct. Yes. It was called Maxercise and it was at 707 Chestnut. And man, anybody, like if you're an old school Maxercise guy, you are an old school Maxercise guy because you know just how, how lucky you were. Not only did you get, and this is, you know, to use a jujitsu term, this was straight from the source because Steve would go and spend months with Elio in Brazil. And he was a direct student of Horion out at the Gracie Academy. So we had, we had, you know, direct input. Steve would go learn something and then we would have the input from, you know, the source. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a sweet time. We were and really he, blessed. And he was like sharing more than just jujitsu because he had all this like other strength and conditioning things going on under the same. Yeah. His degrees well. are in physical education. And wow. uh, he was always probably, he would probably call himself like a physical culturist. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And what was, and what was, strong, man. And what was your life like back then? I mean, were you training people at that point or were you I just kind of like dabbling around in things? So my first, you know, so I went in the Marines. I, I joined the Marines in 91. Okay. Right out of high school, I went into the Marines. I got out. I moved to Philadelphia because my tiny little town in the Poconos, there's nothing to do, right? You're working at a Walmart or you're experimenting with opioids, unfortunately, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I got out of the Poconos and I moved to Philadelphia and then, uh, my first body type of education was um, the Massage Arts and Science Center of Philadelphia. So I actually became a massage therapist. But I'm not sure, Kyle, if you ever worked on anybody. <laughs> it's, it's hard work, man. Like you do an eight-hour day of massage work, you're like, screw this. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just exhausted. And not only physically exhausted, you take on people's energy. Mm-hmm. You just take on their bad moods, their bad mojo, their negativity, their positivity as well. But it was always the negative stuff that weighed me down. It's like, I can't do this much more. So as I was a um, massage therapist, I got a few personal training certifications. And then I went to school full time mm-hmm. for exercise science. Uh, we actually, I actually call it kinesiology because Temple University has a few different pathways that you can study. Mm-hmm. So. So then what was it then like, you know, cause I would still consider jujitsu counterculture. Yes. Despite every, everybody knowing the, what it is kind of maybe just from UFC and stuff. Yes. But I don't know, I guess in 97, we're talking like subculture. No one knew. Yeah. Yeah. So like, no you know, how, how did you think to like, look for that at oh. that time? Hoist Gracie in the first UFC. Okay. Yeah. First UFC. I think if you saw those on the VHS tapes, <laughs> how old mm-hmm. are you, Kyle? I'm 36. So, You're I mean, 36. that was probably, Did you, I mean. Have you ever held the VHS tape? Oh, I've, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. full, I'm fully in on VHS. I had a conversation <laughs> with a person who was 18 the other day, and I was like, do you know what a DVD is? 
Right. You know, because yeah. I like I don't I don't know where what the lines are anymore. What what what, what was their answer? Uh, their answer was yes, but only because their parents were kind of old school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But because so, like by like by by two thousand seven, sorry, by two thousand seven, it was like done. Like two thousand eight or whatever. Yeah, it was all gone. Right. Yeah. 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 Crazy. So we had I had a VHS tape of the first few UFCs, mm-hmm. and I I was like, this can't be that easy to shoot in like that, and. You know, since then I've been in a few fights. It's really that easy to shoot in like that and get the single, uh, the uh, the uh, outside trip. It's nice. Yeah. You fall in love with these things too. As soon as like I remember, so Steve, uh, Steve used to have this free introduction on Saturdays, and that's how this is how old I am, Kyle. <laughs> I wanted to study jujitsu, so I looked in the yellow pages, <laughs> right? and there was a yellow page ad for Steve's jujitsu school, and no on Saturday. Way. Yes. Yes. And, wow. uh, I think Saturdays at 10 AM, there was a free introductory class and, uh, Jeff, we went there and I was paired up with a blue belt named Jeff and Jeff was helping Steve at the time. And, uh, Jeff mounts me and he says, so if I were to mount you, what would you do? And I, I, I do all the stupid stuff, right? Like, uh, and at this point, I was already Marine. I thought I knew how to fight, right? Mm-hmm. He's, I'm like, eye gouge, right? Back got me arm locked. Uh, I grab your groin. And then he just sprawls and the groin is out of reach. And then he, I got his shoulder pressure in my face. And I was like, well, everything I've just tried has not worked, right? Yeah. And they teach you the bump and roll. And then you're sort of enamored with like, oh, this is how well this stuff works right? Like he could punch me from the mount, but I couldn't punch him, all that stuff. And then it's like, where do I sign? <laughs> right? Where do I sign? Right? You just did a great job of introducing me to the gentle art of breaking bones. Where do yeah. I sign? Right? Well, how per- and, and what, and what like a amazing coincidence that like you were into this and, and it was at a time where it was totally inaccessible, but you happened to be in the one city yeah. where it was happening. Right. Uh, yeah. Everybody, I'm telling you, if you're an old school jujitsu or a Steve Maxwell jujitsu guy, you are, you consider yourself very fortunate because you were there not only at the, like the right time and right place for jujitsu, but also for early physical, well, I don't want to say early physical culture. Cause that would be like, you know, early 1900s, but this new uh, era of physical culture that we have in the, uh, uh, America, right? So kettlebells, he had the first kettlebells, ring, rings, sandbags. This is all pre-CrossFit, mm-hmm. you know, clubs. He had clubs. This is all pre-club, pre-mace type of stuff. Wow. Yeah. We were really fortunate. We were really lucky. And how, how long did you train there? I mean, I just got my black belt from Steve this year or last or last year. Wow. So, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I, I've never, you know, I floated around because Steve closed his, his academy and he did a bunch of uh, nomadic type of lifestyle for quite a few years. So I could never train directly under him. Mm-hmm. So I trained with some of his former students in the Philadelphia area. And, uh, but I went back to him for my brown belt and my, my black belt. So I'm, I'm glad I did. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah. That is, I mean, I mean, that's history. That's really what it, that is. It's truly history. It truly yeah. is. And it blows people's minds that Steve had the first jujitsu academy prior or before anyone else on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I'm sure Henzo was in New York shortly afterwards, however, 
But then Henzo had a, a school in Philadelphia, maybe three or four blocks away from Steve's. And you know Ricardo Almeida? Mm-hmm. Ricardo Almeida, he was a blue belt, I believe, at the time teaching. Wow. That's how, I mean, if you were a purple belt, mm-hmm. you were the shit. <laughs> really the shit because like there was nobody doing anything at purple belts now it's like man like i'm a black but if i wrote come up against a good purple mm-hmm. they're 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 tough it's like well i mean you got like kids who have been like watching stuff on youtube and like practicing on their own in their like basements and they're like you know then they get into like wrestling or something and they show up at a jujitsu school and they're like hey like you know they like know some things yeah or they've been yeah. training since uh, how, you know, I mean, how many jujitsu schools are in New York? Right. I mean, dozens and dozens at least. Right. Same with uh, yeah. Philadelphia. There's, you know, probably 150. Yeah. So what, um, did you start teaching jujitsu at some point? Do you teach jujitsu as well? I currently teach now at a place mm-hmm. on those in the suburbs of Philadelphia, in a neighborhood called Southampton. Okay. And I teach a class called executive jujitsu. What is that? Like, it's for the older guys like myself, like um, 50 and up. Mm-hmm. I'm not 50 quite yet, but uh, that type of energy, like the 50 year old energy, right? Like we need to wake up, wake up tomorrow with no black eyes or torn ACLs, right? Yeah. If you want to be the next UFC fighter, we're mm-hmm. not your, well, I don't want to say we're not your school, but right. this class is definitely not your class. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's not like the flying armbar class. No, it's not the flying armbar class. It's the mount escape class. It's the headlock escape class. I and and uh, I actually took the the Gracie Combatives or the instructor training course, mm-hmm. and uh, I go straight down their curriculum, which is okay. mount escapes, Americanas, all of the sweet stuff that you should learn when you're a white belt, blue belt. Yeah, I have a I have a friend who's a brown belt from Marcello's and he was helping yes. me out a lot when I was a white belt. He's still helpful now. I shouldn't say that I, that ever stopped, but he just said to me, he was just like, don't even worry about like the submissions or even like the stuff that has names. He was like, just learn how to hold people down. Right. Learn how yeah. to like tread water. Yes. You know, he was like, people get caught up on like the techniques so quickly that they skip the stuff that's like, the meat and potatoes. Yes, it's true. It's totally true. You know, and I, and I think it probably plays to a little bit of what we're talking about in the beginning where it's like, people don't want to pay to just do these things that are kind of playful when those are probably where like a lot of the magic lies in a lot of these places, right? So like no one wants to just go to a jujitsu school and just be like, play games where you just try to hold someone down for an right. hour, <laughs> right? But that right. Might, there might be a ton of magic just spending time there. There's a ton of magic in it. I, I love that phrase. There is. You know, I think there's both approaches. Mm-hmm. But I, have you ever seen the Gracie games, Kyle? No. It's all the basics. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, they have this great game called Spidey Kid. So, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And you get the mount, the kids get the mount, and their goal is to maintain the mount using different webs. So that would be, you know, you bump me this way, I do the web. You bump me that way, I do the web. The hooks, the leg hooks, mm-hmm. those are also webs. So mm-hmm. you can get totally playful. And that's one reason, one benefit, I think, of jujitsu, mm-hmm. specifically for older individuals, it's literally adult roughhousing. Yeah. It's, it's rough and tumble play. Mm-hmm. And that is one element of, of play that we have really lost. 
-hmm. is this rough and tumble body to body contact with one another. And jujitsu, thank God, is one of the most, uh, you know, you can be fully engaged and physically engaged hard but in a relatively safe environment, right? It's like you can't do that with Muay Thai. No. Right? You're not going to be doing kickboxing like that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jiu you can train hard. You can really train hard and uh, still stay yeah. safe. And, and I agree with you that like the, like the roughhousing has a, has a place. I mean, like every mammal does it right? Like they, yeah. you know, we, we see it everywhere around us and it's like, there's that yes. kind of dance between dancing and fighting and yes. like, and it changes very quickly between animals. You see it, you, you know? totally do. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's your last week with your discussion with Wendy that you posted. Mm -hmm. I was reminded of, do you know the play bow? No. Have you ever seen dogs before they start to play? They do that little bow. No, I'm going to have to send you a video. So they put their front paws down. They do that. It's, it's literally a bow and they call <sighs> it play, play bow, right? I don't think cats do it, but canines definitely do it. They do a play bow and then they explode into this, this vibrant play. It's sort of like, a, I always think of jujitsu like that. We do that, you know, the we're friends, but we're here to fight type of thing. Uh -huh. You know, the, the hand slap with the, the fist pump uh -huh. uh, or fist bump. That's uh, that's what the play bow is. It's mm. totally cool. I'm going to send you a video of the play bow. I want to see that. I think that there's like a lot in roughhousing and a lot in dance. But since we're yes. talking about roughhousing, roughhousing, but we'll say maybe stay roughhousing specific for this example. That like, it's where people learn how to like be partners, right? Yes. Because through yes. it's through these types of play where we also develop a sh so much empathy, right? Like where we really understand other people. And I find that like when I'm playing jujitsu, I can quickly learn whether somebody's a good partner or not. Yes. And and learn a lot about them, right? Because yeah, you know, you see it with with animals, like with dogs who have played a lot, right? You can have like a like a giant Rottweiler play with a chihuahua, but if they both played a ton, yeah, they know how to play together. Yeah. Right. One hand like caps himself. Right. Kind of. And then eventually yeah. after, after some like really fun exchanges, the Rottweiler will like hold the Chihuahua down for a moment just to be like, Hey, like, just so I you still know, got you. I yes. still got you, <laughs> but then lets him back up and be like, let's keep going. Right. He doesn't just beat the Chihuahua to oblivion. Yes. Yes. Right. That's great. Because I was also thinking about this when you were talking to Wendy, it's it, jujitsu. I know we use this thing called contact improv. But jujitsu is the, the ultimate contact improv, mm -hmm. right? So I, you, I translate the word improv as the art of going with the flow. Mm -hmm. If that's not jujitsu, right? You mm -hmm. give me something, I take that. Then maybe I use it for myself or maybe I let you escape like your, your example of the Rottweiler, right? Mm -hmm. And then I give you something and you, get, you take my arm and you capitalize on the arm, right? Jujitsu is like the ultimate form of a, contact improv in my in my opinion i've never done contact improv mm -hmm. i wish i were a better dancer i have rhythm mm -hmm. my brazilian wife has confirmed this <laughs> <laughs> i can't samba but she does say i have rhythm so thank goodness uh, uh -huh. maybe a little bit of capoeira rhythm mm -hmm. but uh I, I agree with you dance contact improv i've never done that that's one thing that i would like to uh explore more i mean 
huge fan. I just, yeah. and I, I just think that there's so much there in terms of like learning different forms of like communication with people. Right. And like feeding our nervous system, new information, learning to be collaborative at the right moments, learning when it's time to be combative, like yes, what it means to be, you know, I mean, sometimes it comes down to also just being like what it means to be a community member. You yeah. know, like I've rolled it, I've rolled jujitsu at places where there's like black belts who are just like pounding me one after another. And I'm like, I'm a blue belt, you know, like right. I just maybe look like I can like take a beating, but I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe you're not helping me rise up so that I can be a better partner to you down the road. Right. right? Like yes. that's a, that's a community member. You know, you want somebody who can be able to like go out with you and like help bring the kill back and help like chop the wood. You don't want to yeah. just like, you know, leave them. That's to the one side thing and, that I, go ahead. Finish. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. That's all I was going to say. Yeah. That's one reason I do. You, are you into judo at all? No, I haven't done any judo. So judo and jujitsu, they're sisters, right? They come from the same art, the ancient Japanese art of jujitsu, right? But then judo became a sport. Judo means gentle way. Jujitsu mm -hmm. means gentle art, right? Mm -hmm. Judo. One of the tenets of judo is mutual benefit. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one thing to go back to your community member, I think that's beautiful, Kyle, because judo, that is one of their tenets. <laughs> so if I'm a black belt, I take on more of the role of a teacher, perhaps if I'm training with you, right? Mm -hmm. And I let you get me purposely. Mm -hmm. Where in jujitsu, I think the egos are a little bit stronger. And uh, even Hicks and Gracie says this, you know, judo comes from the beautiful, honorable Japanese culture right? And, and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu that we practice comes from this passionate, fiery hasa. Hasa means hard in Portuguese, like a fight spirit, right? That fighting spirit of the Brazilians. And uh, mm -hmm. that's why there's a little bit more ego. Those are Hickson words, not mine, but I can, I can totally see that. But you know, then it reminds me of one of like my, I mean, I say it all the time on here because I feel like it applies to everything, but it's like, it's definitely, you know, something worth bringing up in this moment is Paul Schreiner, who I had on the podcast saying yes. how he wished for more playfulness in jujitsu. And I, you know, I realize when people like us, when we talk about play so much, they're like, oh, they're the people who talk about play. And I'm like, it's not about, it's not a joyful thing. It's a mindset of like welcoming risk-taking and discovery and that's what Paul was talking about. It's like people, their egos get in the way and they, they want to play their game and win their game. Yeah. It's as it's, opposed to like, well, what can I learn by going right instead of left? Yes. Yeah. It's a little bit sad when that happens to jujitsu. Mm -hmm. So it's, oftentimes I wonder if that those people that come in with that mindset have a, have a, a different history. Like maybe they come from a wrestling background mm -hmm. where there's, there's no playfulness. It is literally, I need to pin you or I mm -hmm. lose. I mean, I would challenge that it's maybe a real cultural thing here where we're at, right? Everything is about playing to win instead of playing to play. Right. Well, yeah. So and I wouldn't like just, uh, you don't have to challenge me with that, man, because I'm in, I'm in total agreement with you. Yeah. yeah it's, it seems like we're always in, you know, the whole society is built around these games of like one upsmanship. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a little bit sad, but it's that fun way of being like, Oh, well, you know, these, these fun, you know, really tr 
important values can can be kind of fed in these places like jujitsu, like in you know play settings. Yeah, and I do believe that if they're kind of fed through there and their people absorb them, that they can transcend into like other parts of our lives. I agree. Yeah. So judo, the the creator of judo, Jikuro Kano, he had this thing called small small judo, big mm-hmm. judo. And big judo was taking your judo out of the dojo and into the world. Mm. And I always think jujitsu could steal so much from judo. It's not even stealing. It's the same lineage. It's the same, you know, they're sisters, right? Mm. One just focuses on the ground and one focuses on the throws more. But that's so beautiful, right? Taking your jujitsu out of the, Tom Callis, Keenan Cornelius' father has that, out of the dojo and into the world. Mm-hmm. How can you take that playfulness? How can you take that contact improv, right? Mm-hmm. How can you take, you used the word communication a few times, Val. How could you take that communication that we're learning on the mat in the dojo? And how can we take that to Ethel and Eugene at the corner store? How can we take that out into our community and make that much, a much more vibrant and rich uh, ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. It's I mean, true. This is, I mean, this is like a... I think you know who Marlo is, Marlo Fiskin. I do not. Oh, you, you, I mean, you guys should just like, I don't know. The name Marlo sounds familiar. You guys should, you should just contact her at some point. I feel like you guys would vibe. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. Brown belt? No, no, no. Marlo, she's a, she, she, she's a pole dancer and pole oh, teacher I'm sorry. and dancer yeah. and artist and thinker. She's kind of an everything. Okay. But um, she and I chatted a while back and she was the first person to say to me, she was like, oh, you know, in movement, I feel like, you know, we could be thinking more about how our, our teaching and our practice can reflect the changes that we want to see in the world. And yeah. that was kind of that first moment where it was this thing that can be, you know, the big judo. The big judo. And, yeah. And that's a, an aha moment because I think that it's easy to get caught up on just great content right? Like, oh, this is just really great material. And it's like, well, maybe taking moments to be like, well, does the, does the material fit the message? Yes. Yes. Hmm. You know, do you know Henry, Henry Gracie? Do you pay I, attention? I mean, you yeah. know of him? Yeah. He, he always talks about that as well. He's like, when I put on my sweatshirt in the morning, I do jujitsu. I use jujitsu, right? <laughs> it's the art of being gentle. Mm-hmm. So they, tr- they, I love when people flip things around that. It's like a nice little artistic flip. Instead of the gentle art, mm-hmm. it's the art of being gentle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Same thing, but they just flip it. They just invert it. Right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, that has so much more meaning. Mm-hmm. Right? If you take jujitsu out of the dojo and into the world, it stops being the gentle art and the art of being gentle. That's brilliant. And that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's also very similar to what Marcelo said at one of the um, at one of the the belt ceremonies that he did. By the way, Marcelo to me captures so many of these things that we're talking about. I mean he he will put himself in positions and he'll take risks. He's happy yes. to like yes, you know he's happy to 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 you know submit to something that's brand new and then reset himself in that position and try it again and just like you know, doesn't get subbed and then just smash somebody down. He's like, Oh, well, let me figure out what that means. Right. Um, but and one his of the- warm-ups are some of the most playful warmups ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I've never, I've never studied there. I never trained there, but he has his, a few videos, his YouTube channel is pretty, pretty sweet. 
mm-hmm. he starts every class with the you know the dive rolls and the wheelbarrow races and yeah the, you know all that stuff mm-hmm. and then uh then he gets into the into the technical aspects of the art and then then i really love this it's it's play mm-hmm. precision this is the mm-hmm. model that i use play precision mm-hmm. play so he introduces he in soccer, I think they use enthuse, instruct, and play, mm-hmm. right? So he gets everybody enthusiastic through the through the, the games in the bit, beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Then he instructs. Mm-hmm. Then you play jujitsu more, but you hopefully you play jujitsu at a deeper level because of the instructional period. Yeah. Well, sometimes I think that like doing that in the beginning is a way to like facilitate the potential for people to get out of their own way. Yes. Yeah, it's to get out of like knowledge brain and just get in the space in Into intelligence. The playful brain. Yeah. And just like let it ride a little bit. Um, I love it. I love it. But he used to, he said at one of the belt ceremonies, he said, My favorite thing about jujitsu is that it makes us better at being with people. And I was just like, That's the art it. of being gentle. That's, That's the it. art of being gentle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, say it again, Kyle. What was it? He said, well, I should I should add to it. He said, you know, I, I've had success and I had a, I have a, a gym that, you know, has all these members and I've won all these things and I've met my wife and all this stuff. He's like, but my favorite thing about jujitsu is that it makes us better at being with people. That's sweet. You know, That's sweet. and I think that all these, these like movement things that we're talking about that are, that are percolating, that are kind of coming out of like, you know, like the places like Steve Maxwell's gym that you were, that you were a part of, but like what we're seeing it kind of turn into now yes, has that potential. You know what I mean? If, if, if it doesn't get, I don't know, put into boxes and kind of over codified yeah. and kind of um, stripped of some of those like, you know, beautiful communal and, and citizenry aspects of it that things like jujitsu have, you know? Yeah. Do you know who B- BKS Iyengar is? I do know who Iyengar is, yes. Yes. So, so do you know his son? No. His son, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it. It's a Sanskrit name. I'm not even going to attempt. But his son said, <laughs> that, I don't judge the quality of my yoga practice by, mm-hmm. you know, my forward bends. I judge the quality of my yoga practice by how well I treat my children and by how well I treat my wife. It's like, mm. man. <laughs> But, you know, I don't know, Kyle, if you do the same, but I just steal stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would just take that and put jujitsu. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't judge the quality of my jujitsu practice mm-hmm. by the quality of my arm bar. Mm-hmm. I judge it by how well I treat other people. I'll steal a little bit from Marcelo and a little bit from my Angar son. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And there you have your right. new one. Yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. But I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I wish for more of that for people. I think, you know, I, I, I think sometimes we get in this habit of judging ourselves so harshly that we, we feel like we're like not good enough. You know, I don't yeah. know if you've listened to the podcast that I had with Almog <clears throat> and he talks about how he wishes for people to be able to leave his workshop and just know that they're enough Yeah, at that moment. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes in a lot of these things, and I think maybe it's like a, a very Western thing as well, um, but I really don't know because I haven't spent any significant time anywhere else. But I feel like it's easy to get in the habit of being like, I'll be enough someday or looking into the past and being like, the reason I'm not enough today is because of all these things that happened as opposed to like, 
everybody's perfect right now. Whatever you are at your no stripe white belt, it's totally perfect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think we do a real disservice to people. I don't know where you stand with the whole goal setting thing, mm-hmm. the whole productivity thing, but it just reminded me of what you just spoke about. We're so obsessed with that stuff, this whole goal setting thing. Instead of just being present at the moment, I, I'm a white belt. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Right? No, you need to set this long-term and short-term goals and then hack away and do these nice little bullet points every single day or your shit. No, like mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. be a white belt until I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right? And I'll yeah, enjoy, I, I'll enjoy it the whole time. Yeah. I think there's, you know, I've gotten in this discussion with people and they're able to sell me on, on why goals are valuable. And I, and I don't not understand it, but I think that, I think maybe the goal setting thing through the Western lens is a very challenging thing because it plays to this, like this, this way of thinking that everything is supposed to be an upward trajectory. Yes. That we're always supposed to be accumulating more instead yes. of being like, this moment's perfect. It's ephemeral and in it's totally impermanent. Right. Right. And then there'll be something else that comes along. And also like in some cases, whatever else comes along, the things that have been here with me now may need to get out of the way for that thing. And that's all great. Right. Kyle, let me ask you a question. So I spent some time in an ashram. Okay. Right. And, uh, we often talked about goals. Mm-hmm. And when we talked about goals, it's, it's interesting that you brought up the Western versus the, the Eastern. Well, not necessarily, you didn't say, you didn't use the word Eastern, but mm-hmm. when they talked about goals, at least from an American point of view, they said, here's the three outcomes of goals. Mm-hmm. You get what you want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't live up to your dreams, right? So you thought being a black belt was gonna be the best thing ever, but it doesn't live up to your dreams and you suffer. Mm-hmm. Right. Outcome number two, you never get what you want and you suffer. Mm-hmm. So outcome number one, you get it. It doesn't live up to its dreams, which I'll, I, I'll tell you what, I know a lot of guys that killed themselves to bench 405, right? And as soon as they bench 405, they weren't any happier, right? So right. You, you achieve your goal. It doesn't live up to its dreams. You suffer. You never achieve your goal. You suffer. Third one was hold on. You finally achieve it. And then you're so stressed about maintaining it. I want that Ferrari. I need that Ferrari. My goal is to get that Ferrari. And then you're so worried about maintaining it mm-hmm. that you suffer. I, like I'm, a, I'm an older guy. I know so many guys that wanted to bench press 405, 405. They bench press 405 and now they need shoulder replacements because they won't give it up. They still need to be part of the 405 club. Guys, leave it alone. You're 50. <laughs> leave it alone. Your wife doesn't care, man. Right? Yeah. Your kids like you made the club. You can tell the kids you made the club, but save yourself. Save yourself the agony. <laughs> yeah. It's like we only have so much room in our little like sack. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, people, people do sad. it with like things and like with in, in movement, it's like people will get like a muscle up or something and they're like, I need to hold on to this. And it's like, fine. I, I don't not get that. You know, it's like, I've had plenty of things I've wanted to hold on to, but I've, yeah. I've grown to learn more. It's like, oh, if I take something out of the sack, other things can suddenly like arrive in there, you yes. know, cause yes. like 
you know, and it's simply creating the time for it, right. You know, for those new things to like find their way in and then, yeah. yeah and they, and they, and they don't need, nothing has to be there forever. You know, right. even like, I mean, even the way you do jujitsu is probably so different now than how it was in 2005. Totally yeah. Totally different. And it'll be different in 20 years. And that's awesome. And I'm glad I'm happy <laughs> it's, it's awesome. different. I'm yeah. happy it's different. I would mm-hmm. be a broken mess if it were the same type of practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How, so I mean, when they I'm, shared that with me, I was like, God damn, mm-hmm. I can't think of another outcome. Mm-hmm. So why am I, why am I, you know, reading Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I should probably just pay attention to what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think goals can do this thing where they get people so caught up on what, on what they're not doing as opposed to what they are doing right then and there, which is awesome. Yes. You know, like, even if we just think about what our bodies are doing on a regular basis without us thinking about it, you're like, man, I'm awesome. Yeah. You know, like what an incredible thing to like, be like in that. It's just like executing all this shit without me even knowing it. It's nuts. Yeah. How did you end up on an ashram? So I got out of I got out of the, uh, the Marines and I moved to Philadelphia and some of my friends were, uh, uh musicians mm-hmm. and they, they, they were, do you know what Hare Krishnas are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were actually in hard, uh, hardcore bands, but they were Hare Krishnas. So they were Hare Krishna hardcore bands. It's the weirdest thing. That, is, that is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. I've had <laughs> such a wonderful life. I've had such a wonderful life. Uh, I actually stayed at the Brooklyn temple a few times, uh-huh. but I was the roadie. Mm-hmm. I was the roadie for these bands. So hold and, on. You were, you were the roadie for a Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, hardcore band. Correct. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It was would, awesome. But they sing that kind of, cause I know what I remember I used to walk through union square a lot and there'd be a, a lot of people who are Hari Krishnas there and they'd always be singing one kind of specific chant. Yeah, so they would call that a kirtan, okay. like with the little symbols and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's called a kirtan. And it, it's, they're usually made up, those songs are usually made up of names of God, okay. names for God. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the music was of the hardcore genre. So once or twice, you would, they would sprinkle those things in, but you wouldn't get much of it. Maybe they would start the song with something very traditional in Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. like a, a Sanskrit prayer or Sanskrit sloka, but it wouldn't be the entire song. Okay. And they would introduce some things like a conch shell. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a conch is? Yeah. They would start the song with a conch, which was like, a, you know, something that the uh, ancient Indian armies would do before battle and stuff like that. It's like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And so and New York has a ton of, uh, New York has a ton of hardcore Hare Krishna bands. Well, I remember, I mean, I was never there for it, but I have tons of friends who were part of like the New York hardcore scene. Yes. And it was like, I mean, it was- Like the biggest was... one would be the Chromax. Right, I've heard of yeah. them, yeah. Chromax mm-hmm. and uh, the singer, John Joseph, he's uh, he's big in the, the fitness industry now. So were, were you just a roadie for them or were you also involved in like the ashram as well? Oh, I, I stayed at the ashram and I practiced with them First time it was for six months. And then I think the second time was for like nine months. But I got, I, so in the Hare Krishna world, there's these things called uh, devotees, right? Like that's devotees are the people that take the vows. 
and they promise to pray this many, they're called rounds, like 108 rounds on sort of like a rosary, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, vegetarian, no intoxication, no premarital sex. Uh, wait, hold on, I'm missing one. But they, you know, they have regulations just like all other religions, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I was always this thing called the fringy. Mm-hmm. Right? It was pretty cool, like the fringe on like the, the bottom of your pant leg. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so you're, yeah, I was never fully in like mm-hmm. premarital sex. I don't know if I can handle that. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, so I was always the fringy. Uh, I really loved re- many aspects of the, 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 I don't know what you want to call it. They call it bhakti yoga. Bhakti means devotion. So it, it's a form of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I, I definitely love certain aspects of it, but I would, never saw myself devoting myself to it Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly fully for the rest of my life. So I always stayed on the fringes. Mm -hmm. So the first time I went in, I stayed there for about six months. And then the, uh, I toured with a band called shelter and another band called Prima. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next time I stayed in there maybe for nine months and I toured, uh, toured America, man, I must have toured America like five times. And Europe, like uh, three times, it was pretty awesome. I've had a great life, man. I, I mean, if you haven't started writing it yet, man, I would be willing to write your book for you. <laughs> I do need a ghostwriter, Kyle. Oh man, I, I feel like I don't know. Just hearing the stories already, I'm like, man, I could I could start writing this thing now. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's and and you were in the Marines, cool. you said. Yes, I think that's one reason why I got the, the I got the roadie gig. Mm-hmm. So like he could probably fight <laughs> yeah. and, and well, being a Hare Krishna isn't the easiest thing by the way right it's like you know people would throw fucking ham because they're vegetarian right so people would just show up and throw ham at them when they're playing and be like what are you what are you doing like just they're just vegetarians man leave them alone and w- wasn't there like I mean the New York hardcore scene I mean I know I just know so many people who have been in it now yeah you know like people in their like mid to late 40s in New York city. And there was also like a big, like straight edge part of like the, the hardcore scene, or was that the entire scene? I no intoxication. I... That was the fourth one that I was missing. Great. Oh, okay. So Krishna's follow four things. They're called four regs, vegetarian, mm-hmm. no premarital sex or, or illicit sex. I believe they say. Um, so it's sex only for procreation, mm-hmm. no intoxication. Damn it. I'm still missing one. <laughs> I thought I had four. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look it up and I'll get back to you. But but, but yeah, so many it of it kind of fits in with the hardcore scene a little bit. Yeah, the no intoxication. So they oftentimes Hari Krishna's preached to the straight edge scene mm-hmm. because of very similar ideologies, right? With the no intoxication and many of the straight edge kids, myself included, were vegetarian mm-hmm. for you know, I was a vegetarian for well over 20 years. I made it through the Marines as a straight edge vegetarian. Wow. Yeah. So I think they, they definitely cross pollinated and they preached quite well to one another. Mm-hmm. So, wow. That is fascinating. Yeah. Yes. And New York was the birthplace of Tula. Are you originally from New York? No, but I lived there for 16 years. Yeah. So it's like pretty much, you know, it's where I lived the longest. It's like my home. I'd like to get back there at some point. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the spot. I mean, I, I didn't realize it. I didn't know anything about it. I, I mean, I couldn't have, if someone had played like a punk rock song and a hardcore song, I couldn't have been able to tell the difference. Now I think I could just from like more kind of education. 
Yeah. But I would never have been able to tell before. Right. You know, it's a, but I mean, it was, it's a scene. And I mean, it's a, you know, when a lot of those bands, when they come out of the woodwork and they like play shows in, in Brooklyn and stuff, like, I mean, they are sold out and they're crazy. And I mean, they're also, some of them are really dangerous too. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting as we've gotten older, mm-hmm. they're much less dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Cause everybody's like, I don't, you know, we're, you know, almost 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not stage diving. We're yeah. not starting fights anymore. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there's a few fights. I mean, listen, I was at like a Metallica show a few years ago and it was mellow. It was mellow. Like, oh, it was mellow. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was not like, you know, considering what, you know, what it might've looked like in like the eighties and nineties, it was very, very mellow. Right. Like everybody who's a fan just like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? We got to go home. We have things to do tomorrow. Right. And the shows start at five o'clock now instead of like 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because exactly. they're all like, yo, it's 1030. I'm yeah. Heading for, the, heading for bed. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious then. So like at some point here, you were like thinking about more, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people who kind of go through this thing where it's like, a, you almost like get exposed to something really fascinating, like in the beginning. Right. Yeah. And you almost can't articulate like what it is that's so special and amazing about it. And then kind of start getting into the gauntlet and we'll call this one like almost like the fitness gauntlet, which are, starts to turn into like something that's very defined and measurable and all of those things that like are like the fitness things and start kind of rounding around the other side only to almost return back to being like, oh, now I kind of understand that crazy, almost undefined thing that I was doing in the beginning. Yeah. Right. Is that, is that a bit of your trajectory or is it, or, or, or am I like just reflecting on my own in some ways? Kyle, I'll, I'll be completely upfront with you. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I've never been more lost. Than <laughs> I, I seriously, professionally as well as personally. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it had anything to do with COVID. Mm-hmm. Right? But uh, I've been teaching professionally since 2003. I started, I cut my own teeth being a personal trainer, training clients at 5 a.m., And uh, this year has really been a struggle for me because I want to, from the bottom of my tiny little heart, introduce more people to the play, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, like the model that I use, the first one is deep play, deep practice, deep rest, and deep nature. Those are my four elements. I call them the elements of the deep art. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly hard to, to, like I, I just left a, a video on Instagram last week. I taught a play-based workshop. We did absolute, everybody was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Flexibility was addressed. Cardiovascular, phys- I did not use these terms, but they were just cooked in, right? You didn't need, and at the end, people were like, are, are we going to work out? No, man. No, we're not going to work out. Or people check in their smartwatches. Oh, I burned 1,100 calories. That's not why we did this. Mm -hmm. So I've never been more lost, man, to be honest, because this is, I, it's incredibly hard for me to be honest, to speak about exercise. I've been speaking about exercise sets and reps and hamstring attachments, distal, proximal, all of these things. And I don't think we need more of that science. I don't think we need to know more about type two muscle fibers. I think Mm -hmm. we need to know more about like the words that you used, communication, play, uh, knowing your neighbors more through, through, you know, 
playful interaction and craftsmanship and 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 uh, nature exposure to nature and long walks and dog walks with your neighbors or whatever right I don't think we need more exercise I don't think we need more I don't want to harp on science but I don't I think we I like the changes that we need to make are not scientific changes there's something deeper and I, I hesitate to use the word psychology because I don't want to get into the psychology and stuff, but we're, we're missing something. We're really lacking something at a fundamental level. And I don't think it's a scientific lacking. I think it's a, an emotional, spiritual, childlike lacking, right? Mm-hmm. I think we need to take a step back into a childlike stage instead of advancing into further scientific endeavors. I don't know. I guess I'm just ranting, Kyle. I'm sorry. No, I, I, no, 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 no. I, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from Nassim Taleb, where he says, yes. we tend to treat knowledge as therapy. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So like knowing all the words and all the trying to figure out more and more about like the details of the science of movement or fitness or anything. It's like, it's, 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 it's cool. And maybe it, fills in gaps after we've gone and done the things. Yes. But like what's more important is probably the experience. Is, right? is that where he talks about swimming? I forget. I think he said like, because people always want to know, like uh, I think he uses swimming as an example. He's like, do you want to understand hydrodynamics or do you want to swim? Right. Right. You want to swim, right? So just get in the water and learn how to swim. You don't need to know like Archimedes principles. Exactly. <laughs> Right. And, and we, it's like, we want to be able to talk about everything, you know, and we want to be able to like put the words to it, but it's like, well, we have, it's so much more complex than that. You know, like even when I, I, you know, I think I mentioned this when I talked to Jen Pilati, I I was reading that, I'm reading that book behave by Robert Sapolsky, who I think is friends with uh, Frank. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, he's talking about behavior and like the neurobiology and everything. And, and at one point in the book, he just said that, you know, all of said all this scientific stuff. And he's like, all this to say is like, it's just very complex. Right. You know, yes. um, but then continues because it is also very valuable. I find that it's valuable to know the science stuff just from an empathy perspective, honestly. Yes. But I couldn't agree with more with you that it's like, we try to like, science and hack our way through like movement and then it becomes kind of like the words and definitions or what kind of lead the thing when it's like you know we have what in the end we really just have these like complex and rich nervous systems that have evolved to a point where they're supposed to be highly interactive with other people the natural world yes with ourselves Yes. And we don't feed it that. No, right? we don't. So and what we're it, longing because of it. Right. We and we see longing. Yes. And we see external manifestations of what happens to people from not having like the, the evolutionary purpose filled. Yes. And we see the internal issues and psychological issues. Yes. And then we see the broad kind of global communal societal issues that come from that. Um, You know, I know that there are a lot of people who talk about like meaning and purpose, you know, uh, in, in movement spaces. And I think it's worth talking about because I think that like, 
I don't know what meaning is, but I do believe that if we have rich relationships and communication with all the things that we can have relationships and communication with by being with people and putting our hands in the dirt, I think that whatever our sense of meaning is comes from that. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's through existing in a playful way. Yeah. It's all there, man. You summed it up nicely. That was great. Yeah, well, I just read it off a piece of paper in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. We're at a at a strange time in this universe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like we're what we're witnessing, kind of a a bit of the byproduct of like being controlling rather than playful. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, Joseph from Fighting Monkey. Yeah, one of my faves. Yeah, one of my favorites too. He was uh, he was on a podcast. He's like, people want to control the weather. Mm-hmm. People look at their weather apps mm-hmm. <laughs> every every ten minutes. Just mm-hmm. go outside, right? Mm-hmm. Go outside and dance. Who cares, <laughs> starts, who cares if it starts to drizzle, man? Right? <laughs> yeah. The drizzle will probably be exhilarating. Just go do it, right? Don't check the weather apps. Just go outside. Yeah. Trust it. Oh, that's a rain cloud. Shit. That's a rain cloud. Maybe it's going to rain in 10 minutes. I don't care. I'm still going to go for the walk. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what I feel like I, you know, I don't know, maybe you do this too, where you like read or listen to something. And then like, we all do it where we start to see it, see it and hear it through our own lens. Yeah. Right. So someone says something that we think is really profound. And then we're just like, oh, well, how does it fit into our own narrative? But he said something when I had him on this podcast, where he was talking about like existing in that space of being predator or prey. I don't know if you, Mm. if you've heard him talk about that. No, he was using running as an example. He's like, Oh, we can run on a treadmill. Maybe we call that like level one. We don't have to think nothing's really happening. We can be on a track and it's like, okay, well at least we're outside, but it's still like flat and sanitized. Yeah. Sterile. You could be in an obstacle course and maybe it's a little interesting, but it's still like man-made. Right. And it doesn't ask a lot of all of our senses, but he said that, you know, when you're running as if you're a predator or running as if you're prey, then everything is different. That's where you're like, all the senses are alive. The running is very different. Maybe you're not even running all the time, like what you're feeling and thinking. And that predator and prey thing, I think is really hitting it on the head with a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, where it's like, where are the places where all of our senses are asked to be participatory, right? Yes. To like, and, th- and that's the richness of like our, our, you know, where we've evolved through or evolved to in our, in our nervous systems. Right. Yes. You know, and that's, I mean, that's an amazing thing about jujitsu is like, you feel it. It's like, like everything is alive. Yes. So Frank uses the term safe emergencies. Mm. And that's a really cool term, right? Safe emergency. Jujitsu is a safe emergency. Some dude is choking me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm going to go out in 12 seconds. Mm -hmm. Right. Unless I tap or, or escape. Mm -hmm. Predator prey. Uh, Yeah. But that's also the same as like dancing outside, right? Yeah. So like maybe it's not quite that I'm I'm doing any hunting at the moment, but like I'm moving and I'm dancing and I'm playing, but I'm like feeling an uneven surface. The temperatures are changing. The wind is happening. There's so much like innate observing going on, right? I also like if I'm moving outside and like the weather's changing, I need to be thinking about like, oh, well, do I have enough energy to get myself back home? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just like a different... Way. And the cool thing about the body is mm-hmm. that it's, it is taking in all of that information without us even knowing. 
And dude, I mean, this is huge to me. It's huge, right? Like the one day, I don't know if you've been having crazy storms down there, but we've been having these crazy storms. I've lived in Pennsylvania most of my life. We've mm-hmm. never had tornadoes, Kyle. We've mm-hmm. had crazy ass tornadoes. We, we've never had tornadoes. Now we had like nine tornadoes last week, right? But we walked out of the house once and my sons don't know bar- barometer, mm-hmm. right? They're like the bar- barometric pressure. They don't know that, but they're like, dad, do you feel that? Yeah. You don't even need to be, this is the thing with science, right? Like we don't need to, yeah, there's a barometric, a barometric pressure. We know, you, you know, we could talk about the science or you can just go outside and experience it. Right, right? be with like, it, have the, have the relationship, communicate with it. Yes, you're like, yeah, something's different. Something's going to happen. And our bodies know mm-hmm. something's going to happen, right? You can mm-hmm. smell it, you feel it. The birds know it overhead because they're totally taking shelter. They're going someplace to take shelter. And it's like, right? Mm-hmm. But we have our, our eyes in the cell phone. <laughs> right. Right? We're, mm-hmm. we're looking down, not even paying attention to these things. Have you ever read Understanding Media? No, but I'm afraid I don't want to. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I'm afraid I would hate it even more, Kyle. Oh, it's, it, it's just such a great book, though. It talks about like it, it's you know, I think the subtitle is the extensions of our nervous system, mm. and just talks about you know, the home and the way we live in it is this, like an extension of our skin, right? Mm. TVs being extension of our eyes and ears, and like mm. the medium is the message, meaning that like the technology is how it changes the environment. So like the technology is of the phone isn't like the technology itself, but how it changes us like socially and psychologically. Yes. Instance, so what's the title? What's the title? Understanding media. Understanding media. Yeah. I shall check it out. I mean, I've said this before. I like, I like recommending that book, but I also feel bad recommending it because normally I would only, re- I, I relearned now, uh, <laughs> you should only recommend books to people that are like, you know, under, for it. under, under 200 oh. pages. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've, I, but, I, but this book is so good and it's, you know, it's probably maybe like a, it's a long book, but it's, it's so good. It's, it, it just talks about what we're, we're saying here and it's, and it's not critical. It's not judgmental. It's just being like, Hey, like, let's be real. We have nervous systems that are built, not even built. They've been tinkered to a place and evolved with the natural world to a place yes. that looks a certain way. Yep. And now it exists. The world has changed way quicker than we could possibly ever evolve. And these are what these technologies do. They extend the nervous system for us. It's crazy. But it means that like our actual nervous system is basically outsourcing its experiences. Yeah. It's like when I see people with that artificial intelligence, AI, mm-hmm. the, the, I don't, why, I don't need AI. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go outside. That's AI. I don't need artificial intelligence. I'll just go outside and play. I have all the intelligence I need. Oh, you mean virtual reality? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's how old and dumb I am, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> virtual reality. What were the goggles? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my kids are like, can I get those? No, you can go outside and play catch. <laughs> yeah. No, you like, right? listen, you have a few hundred years of actual reality before you can have like wasted that and like use that up. There's plenty yes. of real reality. Yes, this is true. Totally. So, yeah. wh- like, you said that like this year has been like kind of like a struggle as you try to like kind of figure out and like navigate like how you want to 
present your ideas or is it like, you know, what are the ideas worth presenting or, or, or where you want to place your time? It's hard to find what people just from a business perspective, it's Mm -hmm. hard. And I, I hate to bring things back to money, Mm -hmm. right? Because it feels shallow and cheap, Mm -hmm. but as a professional in this field, it's hard to figure out exactly what people want. If you're not willing to present six pack abs or the thirst traps on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Make sense? I think it's, some people have done a great job. Joseph and Linda have done a wonderful job of it. Ido has done a wonderful job of it. Um, uh, A few people, first of all, for that, I think you need a cool name, right? Like nobody's training with Jason Brown (laughs) (laughs) or John Smith. It has to be Ido Portal Mm -hmm. or Tommy Slav English. Right. You need these cool names. It's just real hard. It's hard for me. It's been a struggle to find uh, ways to present this material in a way that is enticing for individuals to pay for it. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you love it. I love it. But if I work with you, it's not paying my mortgage, you know, right. mm-hmm. at some point we need to monetize our love for these things. And that's the struggle that I'm having because it's a, it blows my mind when things take off so well. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, 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 no, I hear you. I think, uh, like I said, it's so, it's so, the things, and I'm not talking about movement things, um, you know, in the, in like, like, it's like I said, like in, that, in the capitalist world, it's like, you know, we want to get people kind of addicted to something so that they keep coming back. Yes. Right? But like, you know, when maybe philosophically and for me, philosophically, like, I don't, I don't want to give people fish. Like I want to teach them to fish. Same, same. And, totally. and that doesn't necessarily like work for, for this model. Sometimes they want the fish. Right. They just want you to give them the fish. Right. So, you know, I, I look at things and and wonder how to like reconcile some of those like values with this world, the way it is as well. And I don't have a good answer for it, you know, but I, I think that what can happen is like in fitness and movement spaces, it's easy to, to kind of prey on, on people's primal instincts for certain things for monetary value. Yeah you know, where, where we're kind of deprived in certain places. And I've brought it up a bit where it's like, you know, preying on like people's desire for social networking and, and, you know, kind of promising community to people when like, that's, that's like a, that's a primal thing. All mammals, right. Like desire some amount of like community or or co-regulation or something. And and when we're deprived of that and, and marketing schemes use like buzzwords, kind of like putting that out there. Yeah. that kind of lures people in and like, Oh, well, I'll, I'll pay for this thing that would normally have again been like just part of like everyday life, but we, we don't have it in the same way here, but then only to find out that in often cases that like, it's not actually the real community, you yeah. know, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's like, it's, I, I get it. It's like a very hard, weird thing to reconcile with. It is. Yeah. You know, but I, I see people, I mean, I think, I think people like Rafe are doing awesome stuff. Yeah, oh. totally. And then see another cool name though. <laughs> Gotta change my name. Rafe. Yeah. Rafe, 
Tomislav, Joseph, but you have to say Joseph. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We just need to come up with cool names, Kyle. That's all. Well, well listen, I mean, did you, you didn't have like a <laughs> Hare Krishna name? No, see, because I never took the vows because I was a fringy. Oh, well, listen, if you had a Hare Krishna name. This is true. Uh-huh. It's true. I kind of come up with a cool Sanskrit name. Yeah. Or an alias or a pen, a pen name. Yeah. I'm, interesting. I mean, yeah. I have, a, I have a graphic artist friend and she does work for this art, uh, this author. And the mm-hmm. guy's name, his pen name, she never knew this, right? But it's like, it's a, like John Christopher Adams, right? Mm-hmm. And she's been doing work for this guy forever. Turns out his real name is Owen. <laughs> and it's like owensmith at gmail.com. She's like, is your real name Owen? He's like, yeah, I don't think it's my real name online. <laughs> she's, and she's like, oh my God, I had no idea. So mm-hmm. I think I just need a cool pen name. Hey, I mean, listen, did you ever watch pro wrestling growing up? Yes. I mean, listen, you just got to go for like a wrestler name. Help me out with that, Kyle. What would it be, sir? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, uh, I got, just tell me what you think of this. Mm-hmm. Mud Dragon. Mud Dragon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cute. Because it's, it's, it's earth, right? The mm-hmm. mud, mm-hmm. but it, it's also celestial, like the dragon, right? Like, so it's one foot in the earth and one foot in the spirit. Totally, totally. And then you have like a, like a, a video of you, like for, for what you're teaching, but it's like so, to some like Queensryche song. Like it's very like, or like, or like, I hate Dio. Queensryche. Or, Can or you like, pick, pick, pick somebody or, else besides like, Queensryche? Or like, like Dio or something. All right. Dio is acceptable. Dio that would be sweet. here. Yes. You know, like talking about Look like, at you, man, you're like, I wasn't in the hardcore, but you're breaking out Dio references. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I you know, it, but it, I, I don't know. I stand with I, you. It's a very hard thing when to sell people on something where you're like, I can't even tell you what you're going to learn <laughs> when you're yeah. just like, I just want you, I'm going to create an opportunity for you to learn some things yes. out of what you need to learn right now, because people do love words. They love being able to be like, this is the thing. And it's the same with jujitsu. Like, you know, people show up when they're like, Oh, I've watched this YouTube video of this and that and whatever. And it's like, well, that's cool. But like, you know, it, it, it's not maybe as powerful as all the, like that space in between where yes. like all the non-words happen. And like, that's might yeah. be the more valuable place. You know, one thing I think that happens to us, Kyle, is correct me if I'm wrong or, or give me your opinion on this, mm-hmm. but the people that do really well, mm-hmm. they already come from a very large community of, for example, I'll use Tom Wexler as an example. Mm-hmm. Or Tomislav, right? Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were dancers. Mm-hmm. Our dancers were dancers. Mm-hmm. So the people that that attend their workshops, mm-hmm. who are they? They started with dancers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you've gone to have you gone to a fighting monkey seminar? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm sorry. I was the only idiot that couldn't get the coordinations. <laughs> everybody else was a dancer and has danced for years. I'm like, hold on. I can't be the only non-dancer in this room and everybody, mm-hmm. right? That's like, they attract, they attract people, I don't know, what's the word? They attract people that have already been in that, that culture forever, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think it's like, Ito is not training our grandparents. Ito is not getting our grandparents to come and play with tennis balls. Ito is getting the dancers to come and play with the tennis balls, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong. 
Well, I think that, that to some degree, a lot of a lot of these groups had like they were. It's almost like they were they were speaking to audiences before this like more generalist movement thing cracked open. Yes, you know, yeah. like, and then all of a sudden that cracked open, and and a lot of the these these teachers and facilitators all of a sudden had a whole nother audience. Yes, to present to that wasn't there before, along with the groups the that were already kind of or, like yeah. interested the in movers. what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. Yes. And I think that's from my understanding, a lot of like, uh, you know, what, fight, how fighting monkey kind of started was that they were trying to, they were working on creating supplemental work for their dancers that ended up becoming something that was fighting like, monkey. yeah, yeah, more, more uh, like widely desired. Yes. You know, but I think you should do the same thing and just do it for fighters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm trying. I think I, 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 I like that idea. Yeah, man. Are you kidding? Like, just do the thing that draws all like the 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 fighters from different disciplines like into the thing. But it's like, odd, trick- though, Kyle. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm not sure if you have experiences, but when you get a bunch of jujitsu guys in the room, you know what they want to do? They just want to grapple each other. Yeah. <laughs> they want right? to roll. So they're like, "When's the jujitsu start?" I'm like, "No, hold on. I got a tennis ball with a string on it first. Mm-hmm. They're like. Mm-hmm. No, I'm only going to get good at jujitsu if I play more jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get even buy-in with those guys. I agree with you, though. It's a little bit better and it's a little bit sweeter. Well, they, they, and I think that they're so similar. I think fighters and dancers are so similar. Totally. There's that one Greek. I don't. I don't know who it was, but he said life is. You know, people say life, the dance of life, and the life. I'll send you that quote too. He's like, life is more like wrestling than it is dancing. Hmm. I got to find the exact quote to you though, for you. Well, you actually turned me on to a quote that I feel like I keep bringing up on here. And I realize I butcher it constantly because I realized when you posted it, it's a, it's a Javanese quote or, or yes. something. And at first a, I was a, saying a that, Javanese proverb. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I was saying it was Japanese. And then I realized that I was real, it was Javanese and I was getting it all mixed up and everything, but I, I use it constantly to, and I don't know what you took from that message and I'll, I'll let you kind of say the proverb correctly if you want to. Um, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, a great dancer understands rhythm and a great an- dancer has all the techniques and a great dancer understands timing and all these things. But the, the greatest dancer is also a gardener. Yes. Um, and to me, it was a message of, of about specialization, right? Like if we get too caught in like our one thing that we do, we're missing out on all the other information that's available to us that inevitably feeds everything else we do. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, and yeah, I've said it so many times cause I, I thought it was just so poignant and beautiful and stuff. And I, you know, I don't know what it was that, that kind of like got it to sink its hooks into you, but I, uh, yeah, it's to me, it's just like, you know, it's easy to like get caught up on like our one thing, but like all that other stuff is going to feed that thing that you love too. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what you and I have been speaking about all afternoon, Kyle. It's like the whole human, Mm -hmm. right? So in years gone by, okay, you were a blacksmith, you were a dancer, but guess what? You also had to handle your garden. Mm -hmm. You also had to handle all of these other skills and all of these other trades and all these other crafts. Because mm-hmm. there was no going to 
you know, Home Depot or Lowe's, right? Bill Maher actually talks about this and I'm not handy at all. I don't want to get that <laughs> impression that I'm handy at all. I'm, I'm working on it. But Bill Maher the other day said, kids are graduating college with $100,000 in debt and they can't put on a spare tire. I was like, that's, to me, that's what that is, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, here's this greatest, I'm going to have to review that quote, Kyle, but it's like, uh, master, who is the best dancer? Oh, she's the woman that has the rhythm and the grace, but what else? And she has the timing and the strength and what else? Well, she's also a gardener, right? (laughs) To me, that sounds, when I heard Bill Maher say that, I was like, that's pretty much it. Right. Mm-hmm. You have somebody with a hundred thousand dollars in debt and such a specialized thing. Like I'm, I can send Excel sheets, but I can't change my spare tire. Yeah. You know, which is like, seriously, it's unscrewing a bolt. It's, yeah. it's jacking up the car, unscrewing bolts, putting them back on. Mm-hmm. Right. But we have outsourced that stuff. I had, I was recently on Rave's podcast and Rave brought up something really good. He said, we have taken everything of self-worth away from us, Mm -hmm. right? We used to work with our hands. And at the end of the day, you could say, here's my candle. Here's my soap. Here's my, here's my blanket. Here is my uh, blade. Mm -hmm. Now we just send these Excel sheets back and forth. And at the end of the day, you're like, what actually did I accomplish? Right. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. We have, we're so specialized in these things that at the end of the day, we can't even say that we accomplished anything. And mm. I know these things pay the bills. And my mm. wife sometimes thinks I'm a dick because I make fun of these things, right? But uh, it's true. I think we're really lacking because, and when Rafe said that, I was like, man, that's true. We have taken everything of self-worth away from us. Do you watch Alone, Kyle? Every- Dude, I love that show. Yeah. So season six, when the guy killed the Wolverine with his... Uh, Mm-hmm. with his uh, machete mm-hmm. did you see what his wife did to him when he got home no so he got home and he was like you know how he's like sort of a little bit of a goofy guy he's like mm-hmm. he's like i killed the machete uh, i killed the wolverine with a machete and mm-hmm. she smacks him on the chest and she goes you are a wild man mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and he was so proud and his face lit up with this pride and happiness and she smacked him she said, well, for, they won $500,000, which was awesome, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, you're, you're a wild man. And he was so happy to be considered this wild man. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, if I just spent eight hours sending emails back and forth, I can't come home to my wife and be like, what'd you do today? I sent emails. <laughs> what? You sent emails? Right? Mm-hmm. Frank has a great quote. I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But uh, he has, there's no legends written about anybody on treadmills. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, dance. Yeah. But that, that Kyle guy, he runs really fast on a treadmill. No, mm-hmm. forget it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. legends written about anybody. On, there's no legendary email senders or Excel. Mm-hmm. That guy is incredible with Excel sheets. He's incredible. He's going to change the world with Excel sheets. Well, and 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 that's and that's the thing about kind of like you know, stripping us—not stripping us—it's like sanitizing us of all of like the things that we're capable of feeling and experiencing, and not even—and I shouldn't even say capable. Capable is almost as if like it's something new, 
like I said, it's like we evolved with nature to have like this relationship and feel all these things. And then we deprive it of that. Yeah. And then, and only kind of stimulate the tips of our fingers and our eyes and our yeah. ears hear like when a message arrives, when like so much, so much sensory experience is supposed to be happening all the time so that we like know when the weather's changing. So when we, we can smell like when a predator or prey is near us. I mean, all the things I can't, you can't even articulate all of them. No, you can't. Yeah. But like we exist and have that in us. Like it's, it, that's not gone. So like the way people feel and like the, the, the anxiety and, and the depression and all the things I, I can't imagine that not happening when we're totally malnutritioned on a sensory level. Yeah. You know, you know, suicide skyrocketed last year. Oh, during COVID. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were many factors why, mm -hmm. but I think it has something to do with what you were just stating. Mm -hmm. We locked ourselves inside mm -hmm. and we were just on digital devices. Mm -hmm. The only stimulus we got were screens mm -hmm. and this nice little sterile touch of another screen, mm -hmm. right? We weren't even allowed to see one another, mm -hmm. smell one another, hug one another, right? Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think that's people are like, fuck, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't take this. If you were fragile in any way, I think mm -hmm. it just push, pushed people over, over the edge. And I mean, honestly, even, even if we weren't already kind of fragile, it's like we have like, like we we're, if we were in a place where we couldn't even just step outside and like, you know, be with things. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I feel for it and I feel for the people, you know, I just, yeah. I mean, we're, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but this is like why I find it's really important to like, to do my workshops outdoors for, for even if it's just for this reason alone, being like, no, 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 no. Like I'm not, I don't want to say, I want to sanitize as little as possible. I want us to like, you know, move and feel all the things that can be happening simultaneously and have to like address all of them and like feel the crookedness of life, you know? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I support that decision. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Outdoors, man. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I, I, I don't see much reason in like having an indoor space ever again or, or, or practicing in one. I've even talked about trying to get jujitsu people do jujitsu outside in the grass with me. So I call, I call my backyard, my strength garden. Mm -hmm. And I have 200 square feet of mat space in my, I call it my woodshed. Mm -hmm. um, my goal next year is to get a nice floating deck mm -hmm. with uh, some mat space. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think um, maybe we should uh, collaborate in the future. I agree. I'm down. You let me know. I think that'd be, that you, would you be awesome. You do it in Brooklyn and Florida and I'll do it in Pennsylvania and all the other, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be really, I think that'd be so fun, man. We should like, uh, I'm dying to try that together. ring game that I see that you, you play. Which one is that? The, the gymnastics rings. Yeah. Or, we, I do. A few, I, oh yeah. I do a few things. I like, like the tug of war type stuff. Is it tug of war? It's hard to tell exactly what's going on on the videos. And I uh -huh. think that's nice that you don't reveal too much. <laughs> Keep it a little bit mysterious. It was right? just, it, in some ways, it was really just a byproduct of like, you know, the, the, the social distancing I, stuff that we had to like start creating. And I was like dragging people outside. And That's like, awesome. Oh, You're playing, I, but we're six feet apart. Yes. Yeah, so I was like, I was able to like keep people apart. And I, all I had was like gymnastics rings and straps, but then it turned into, you know, and then other things came out of it, but it turned into all these like crazy, wacky, fun games. And, and 
I, you know, people call it organic strength. I keep saying like weird strength, like yeah. weird strength tools that come out of it too. I mean, yeah, it's a, they're, they're all just like big accidents that came out of just like playing with creative people at the end of the day. That's, that's lovely. That's yeah. Awesome. You, I mean, I, I, yeah, you should, you should take someone out there and try it. Just like, you know, grab the one, grab the ring and just, uh, tug of so war. So it's it literally just bit. tug of war with the gymnastics rings. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do some like strength stuff where we do these like one, like these one ring poles and like act as like resistance for one another. I do that with body weight. Yeah. Yeah. So for we do those. Person. Yeah. And that's cool. And then my, yeah, we'll do like tug of war and then we'll do like bear crawl tug of war. Um, and then we do like sled drags where like, you know, someone is like dragging the other person on the ground. Did you ever see my art of play video? No, no. I'll send that to you. You got some similar point, stuff. Yes. Yeah, but I use bands. I never mm -hmm. thought of using the gymnastics rings with the straps. I, I've used bands, but we do bear crawls with the bands around the waist. Mm. Yeah. So when I first did that, I mean, it wasn't, I, if I'm being honest, I don't even think that was my idea. I was just like in the park and I was like, Oh, we had the strings. Let's try this. <laughs> yeah. And I said something about the, bear, the, the tug of war. And then we're doing that a little bit. And I look over my shoulder and like two people are down in like a bear crawl position, like with the, with it around their waist. And they started pulling against each other. I was like, that's awesome. So we started yes. like adding to that a little bit, but <laughs> I posted the video and a friend of mine who fought in the UFC a little bit. And he was on that stone cold Steve Austin show that like competition show. Yes. Uh, he, the broken skull challenge. Yes. He sends me a hey, short, how cool is that thing, man? Yeah, I've never watched it. I've never watched it. Watched it. No. Is it awesome? Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, I was a big wrestling fan. So I love stone cold Steve Austin growing up. So I'm like, I might, I, I could get into it. I'm sure. Yes. But but he was on the show and at one point they had to play that game, but it was yeah. like, they started with like a, a band around each other's waist and it was like they no holds barred. The side they had to drag the other person to the other side. Yeah. Man, yeah. those people on that show are tough. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. My, my buddy was on there and I, I have what's, no what's idea. What's your buddy's name? Me. What's your buddy's name? His name's Brendan Weaver. Brendan Weaver. I'll look him yeah. up. He also, I mean, is, I think he, uh, he's like a brown belt with Marcelo. Okay. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he's, I don't know. It felt like minutes after I posted a video of that, he sent me a clip of him doing the, the that game. And I was like, well, that's, yeah. that's legit. That's legit. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could say that's I stole it from Stone class. Cold. Still yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I mean, when we, when we get together, we can play, but I realize I'll probably need to like grab a partner to go two on one for that game against you. Oh, <laughs> I'm old. You're you're a young you're a young lion, Kyle. I'm what on my have, way out. What do you have coming up? Are you going to be doing any workshops or anything? Or are you are you teaching like in the Philly area? I have a few. Uh, I have a few kettlebell workshops coming up. One in uh one in the Philadelphia area. So for the basics, I don't do the certifications much anymore, just because I think most of the fitness professionals are didn't make any money for a year. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they're a little bit hesitant to sign up for my course, which is a little bit more on the pricier end. Mm -hmm. So I have this shorter course called unlocking the kettlebell basics. And that's like a three to five hours as opposed to the full certification is 12 hours. So I have one coming up in Philadelphia. Then I have one coming up in, um, Paramus, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So when are those one is next Sunday. The Philadelphia okay. one is next Sunday, closed to the closed to the public. 
And the one in Paramus is in September, early September. That one is open to the public if anybody would like to attend. Mm-hmm. And then if uh, I'm always running the small play-based workshops, I call them play craft or um, the art of play. I just had one in Brooklyn. I know you're from Brooklyn. Uh, Physical Culture Collective is the name mm-hmm. or Diamond Hearts. It's a jujitsu school, um, jujitsu and Muay Thai school. Don't ask me to remember the street. <laughs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn traumatizes me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Physical Culture Collective, that was a nice little... Uh, nice little escape but i'm always willing to and happy to run those as well killer yeah well like i said maybe uh maybe i don't know we're supposed to go to europe here well i mean obviously the restrictions will start to change and who knows right. if that'll actually happen right but uh it, it you know if it does we'll be coming back maybe in like october november maybe uh sometime in the fall we try to organize something that we do together maybe in like the philly area sounds beautiful my friend i'm always down and thanks for having me on today i appreciate it kyle Man, such a pleasure. I mean, you know, I'll send you a message after. We'll exchange numbers. We can hop on and just uh, chit chat whenever it feels right. Sounds good. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. Later.